Hello everybody, this is Aaron Moore from AC Ministries WV. How are you guys doing today? We know it's been a while since the last podcast, but we just wanted to update you and let you know that we will be doing podcasts once a week from now on. So get ready for them to be more frequent than what they have been. Now, we want to remind you that you can find us on Facebook under AC Ministries WV. Now, you can also find links to our podcasts there. You can find videos of me and other preachers that I am friends with that will be preaching on there. Um, Maybe even little things to read. Uh, Carly puts different things on there at different times. So if you want to check us out, that's AC Ministries WV on Facebook.com. Thank you, and you guys have a wonderful day, and enjoy the podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Aaron Moore from AC Ministries. And we've got a good lesson for you today, or message, whichever one you want to call it. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Exodus chapter 5. That's where we're going to be at today, starting with verse 1. And the title of the lesson, or message today is who is the Lord now let's start with reading in verse 1 it says and afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh thus saith the Lord God of Israel let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness and Pharaoh said who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go I know not the Lord neither will I let Israel go So we see where the title of this lesson comes from today. It's Pharaoh's response to Moses when Moses makes the plea for him to let the Israelites go into the wilderness and worship God and have a feast and so on. Pharaoh looks at Moses and says, Who is the Lord? I don't know who he is, basically. And just like a lot of lost people today, and even a lot of people that are in church, they don't really know who God is because they've never had a one-on-one experience with Him. They've just said a quick little prayer or raised their hand for salvation, and they've never really experienced and and had a true one-on-one God experience. But anyway, I digress on that. We'll get on that here in a little bit. I want to show you something with the plagues that was sent first to Pharaoh and to Egypt. Now, we know that God sent ten plagues to Egypt. One through ten, they are, the water was turned to blood, the frogs, lice, the flies, pestilence on livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness in the land, and the death of the firstborn. Now, this is where it gets very interesting. You see, Pharaoh makes the statement, who is the Lord? And by making this statement, he unwillingly opens up a door and unknowingly opens up a door for God to work. Now, what you may not know is that each of these plagues were an open attack on the gods of Pharaoh and Egypt that they worshipped. Basically, God here is saying, you know, I'm going to show you who I am. He's answering Pharaoh's question, who is the Lord? Now, by thinking that their gods were superior to the one true God, they have set themselves up for disaster. Just as the many other... uh, cultures throughout the Bible has that that didn't claim God as their one true God. Now, I'm going to break this down for you and and show you each of the gods that was attacked through each of these things. It it was basically like God was, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, mocking them 
to show that he was the one true God. Now the first plague we, we come to is the water was turned into blood, and that is the god of the Nile River, which is the god Kenum. Now according to Egyptian folklore and, and, and uh, god worship and all that uh, idol worship back in the day, the god Kenum was the god of the Nile River, and the Nile River was to be like the blood flowing through his veins or so on, something to that effect. Now, we can understand why they would worship the river, uh, being that that's where their crops come from and that's where they got their drinking water, that's where they were able to bathe and things like that. You know, wherever there's water, there is life. So we can see why God would attack that one first. <laughs> now, secondly, we have the frogs. And that is the Egyptian god Heket. Now, Heket is not like um, the god of the Nile, Kenum, in the way that he represents frogs. It's just the fact that he had the head of a frog. There was actually no god for frogs in Egyptian times, but there was some that had the symbology of these different things that come upon people. Now, the next one is Lice, and that was the god Geb, which is the god of the earth. Now, we know that lice come from the ground. So, again, god of the earth, lice come from the ground. It's pretty obvious. Flies is the fourth one, and that is the god Kehepri, which, again, is like Heket and had the head of a fly. Pestilence on livestock, that is the god Hathor, which had the head of a cow. Boils, which was an attack on the god Imhotep, which was the god of medicine, which, you know, it, it kind of rings true back to the first one that we come in contact with here, Kanum, being the god of the Nile, Imhotep being the god of medicine. Whenever the people of Egypt break out in boils, that would be like a slap to the face to the god Imhotep. It, it would be a slap to the face to him saying, oh, look, you can't really heal us. So... Anyway, going on here, the next one is hail, you know, little balls of ice that come out of the sky, you know, that beat your car up and everything else, that kind of stuff. Now, it's kind of funny that the god that's mentioned here is the god Newt, which is the goddess of the sky. Now, the next one is locusts, which was an attack on the god of chaos, which his name is Seth. So, it kindly goes hand in hand here that Seth, it, it's like God's kind of making the Egyptians think that Seth is mad at him because he has sent chaos by the locusts coming into the land and destroying a lot of things. So, therefore, he, he's given a false image of this God being angry at them whenever it's God himself being angry at them. It, it's, it's, it amazes me how, how God works through these different things. Now, the, the ninth one is darkness in the land. Now, anybody that does any kind of studying about the Egyptian gods know that the god of the sun is the god Ra. So, whenever God is to attack the god of the sun, how else would he do it but make it dark whenever the god of the sun is supposed to be shining and supposed to have the sun up at all times? How else would, you know, whenever the sun's supposed to come up and it's not and it's still dark, what a better way to attack the god of the sun? Now, 
The last one is the death of the firstborn, and, and I, I really had trouble trying to figure out which one of these uh, gods, if you will, that God, that our God, the one true God, was attacking. But it's not actually a god or a deity or something like that or a false idol. It's actually Pharaoh himself that he attacks here with the death of the firstborn. We know that Pharaoh's son died because he was the firstborn of Pharaoh. Now, I know what you're thinking, Aaron. How in the world do we relate Pharaoh as being a god? Well, according to Egyptian mythology and idol worship, Pharaoh was like a demigod. He was god among men. So we could put him in the realm of the gods and therefore... God attacked Pharaoh lastly because we can read through here how Pharaoh hardened his heart, so on and so forth. Just like a lot of people in the churches today and a lot of people that have backslid today have hardened their heart towards God and maybe they just need to turn loose and let go and let God, you know. Maybe they just need to come back. So, as you can see here, God proves who he is through the plagues in Egypt. Pharaoh asks, Who is the Lord? And God shows up to answer. The ten plagues are a testimony of God. Now, the interesting thing, too, that I want to throw in here, which ain't going to cost you anything, the number ten in the Bible also means testimony. So, that's why we have the Ten Commandments. It's a testimony of commandments of God. We have the ten plagues, which is a testimony of God. Because, look at this. Pharaoh asks the question in verse 2, Who is the Lord? And God says, You want to know who I am? I'll show you who I am. But going on here, I'm sure you're thinking, Now what does that have to do with me today? What does that have to do with the church today? What does that have to do with the lost person today? Well, I am so glad you asked because I am fixing to tell you. If you read on over in the Bible, in the book of Revelations, you read about a bunch of plagues that will be coming in the time of tribulation. I find it no coincidence at all that these plagues in Revelation mirror the ones in Exodus. In fact, they mirror them so well, it could only be God doing this. Now, the plagues in Revelation are as follows. Now, there's seven of them. There's malignant sores, the sea becomes blood, the springs and rivers become blood, people are scorched by the sun, the beast's kingdom becomes darkened, the Euphrates River dries up, lightning, thunder, and earthquakes. So, as I said before, these plagues don't directly correlate to the ones in Exodus, but they mirror them in some very interesting ways and are strongly reminiscent of them. There are numerous, numerous similarities between the plagues in Egypt and the plagues of the tribulation. This correspondence is intentional and is an indication of the correspondence between the recorded facts of history and the prophesied facts of the future. They share these three similarities. Literal plagues, testing of the unrepentant, and establishing a kingdom. I will get into each of these in just a second. All of this is so very familiar to the world of today. Look at how they view Jesus. Look at how the world views Jesus. To them, he's just a fairy tale that someone made up a long time ago. They even have the nerve to ask the same question that Pharaoh did those many years ago. Who is the Lord? 
Maybe you're searching through this life and you don't know what you're searching for. But you just know that you're searching for something to fill the hole in your heart and soul. May I submit to you, friend, that you're looking for Jesus and you don't know who he is? Now, I want to show you something real quick concerning the last plague in Exodus. When we look at what it is, we think, now where is that in the book of Revelation? The tenth and last plague in Egypt was the death of the firstborn. Don't miss what I'm about to say. The firstborn for us is who? The flesh. It was born first in the spirit, or the Christian walk was born second. Flash forward to the book of Revelation. Who dies in the end? The unsaved do. They are thrown into hell and then into the lake of fire. And this is the second death. This is hard to swallow, I know, but it is the truth. When Jesus comes in the tribulation, the firstborn, the flesh, will have no choice but to be killed. It has to die for the righteous and the eternal kingdom of God to be in uh, Jesus to be set up. So there's literal plagues here that comes, you know, the literal, just like the malignant sores. Each one of these are literal, actually. All seven of these, the malignant sores, the sea becoming blood, the springs and rivers becoming blood, people being scorched by the sun, the beast's kingdom becomes dark, and the Euphrates drying up, and lightning, thunder, and earthquakes. But just as they are all literal plagues, and just as they are all things that will happen, and just as the things happen in Egypt whenever Pharaoh was trying to keep his thumb on the Israelites, it's a testing of the unrepentant people too. If you remember and you read throughout Exodus, every time that Moses got ready to go and talk to Pharaoh, God told him that he would harden Pharaoh's heart that Pharaoh's heart would be hardened and Moses would go and plead and at the end of the plea, Mo uh, the Pharaoh would give a response and he would say, at the end of it, it was wrote that and he didn't do it because his heart was hardened. Friend, may I submit and tell you that one of these days, Jesus is going to come back, and these seven bowls and seven vials, these seven plagues, whatever you want to call them, they will be poured out upon all of the land. Now, I pray that you have made yourself right, and I pray that you are living right whenever this happens, because we won't have to go through it. The ones that are saved and born again, and the ones that are, have been called up to be with Jesus and are ruling in his kingdom won't have to worry about this. But the ones who don't make things right and the ones who forsake God and the ones who keep asking who is the Lord will be the ones that pay for it in the end. Now, I know what you're saying. How is this all going to be how is this all going to be used to establish a kingdom? Well, if you read in the book of Revelations, all of these happen, and number five is the beast's kingdom becomes darkened. That is the time whenever, just as Pharaoh's kingdom was darkened, and the god Ra, the sun god of Egypt, was attacked personally, slapped in the face, if you will. That's just the same as 
what's going to happen to the beast's kingdom. God's finally going to have enough and he's going to put his foot down. And you could say that symbolically that by his kingdom being darkened, that that is the end of his rule. And after all this, what happens? The Son of God sets up his kingdom. Now, friend, may I ask, will you be a part of this kingdom? Or will you be a part of the beast kingdom that gets thrown into the hell and in the lake of fire? You know, preachers get a lot of backlash today whenever they talk about hell. And they get praised when they talk about heaven. But did you know that Christ preached more on hell than what he did heaven? He mentioned hell in his preaching more than what he did heaven. I think it was because, yes, heaven is sweet and it's wonderful and we can bask in all the glory of it and the love of it. But just as heaven is real, so is hell. And you know, I have read in in this blessed book where it says that hell enlarges her mouth and her borders every day. But I've never read where heaven enlarges enlarges its borders at all. But going on here, you could be sitting there today asking yourself, who is the Lord? You know, the answer is right in front of you. It's not no complicated thing. Jesus is the Lord of all and the only begotten Son of God. If you wonder about him and just what kind of authority he has, he might just show you to make you believe. The generation of the world today is looking for something more than what they have. And let me tell you, you can receive it from God. And when you do, you won't be asking who is the Lord. You'll be telling everyone you come in contact with about who he is and what he's done for you. This is Aaron Moore. We'll be back with you next week with another podcast from AC Ministries WV. I hope this helped you in some way. I hope this uh, strengthened you and brought you a little bit closer to God. And maybe if you're lost, maybe if you're out there and you have walked away from God and you want to make things right with your Lord and Savior today, you can. It's so simple to do it. Just find somewhere off by yourself. Or find somebody to talk to to help you along the way. And pray to God and ask Him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. And He will. He's just to forgive you. I thank you for listening and I pray that you have a good day.